added time is supported by Fitbit. Get real-time insights on you and your world with the Fitbit Versa 2, the all-new premium smartwatch with Amazon Alexa built in, your personalised sleep score and a 5-plus day battery life. You're listening to the Irish Times. The world is great this Monday morning, Pat. The world is grey, but the world is great. The world is grey, but great. Because any world that has Kira McGeehan in it, after what she did last week, is only fantastic. And the thing is, like things like this kind of fall under the radar a little bit, and people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I see, I see your one from the north there. She came, she come tenth or something in, in the athletics or something. Ugh, tenth. Mm. Like, it was an amazing performance that she did. Tenth, and the time would have won seven of the last eight world championships. Exactly, is that right? yeah. Uh, it was the second fastest, or it was the personal best in a world championship final, which is all you can ever really ask of anybody. She just, just missed out going under four minutes, only becoming, she would have been the second after Sonia, second Irish woman after Sonia to go under four minutes. Um, and a, a, on top of all that, her level of joy at mm-hmm. all of this is is to be beheld. She's introducing the world, or, or me anyway, to new vocabulary with every interview that she does. Yes, well, she's int- introducing southern people to new vocabulary. Oh, vocabulary you're, you're able to translate it all for us. Well, you know, people up north say boke when they mean puke, Pat. You know, it's, it's yeah, that one bad. completely that, went that over my head. By, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and can you explain the, uh, I put the swan in a lead? That's something her coach says to her, and, and that's, that's between her, her and her coach, really. I don't really get it either, but, you know. It is, it is definitely a phrase that she's starting to put into the lexicon. But the really fascinating thing about her is that uh, we've seen her so many times uh, with the opposite, in the opposite mood. Because championships, big championships have broken her mm. many times in the past. I remember seeing her, I can't even, I can't even place which championship it was, where her last 100 metres, uh, she looked like, me at the end of you know a 10k like she, her her legs went wobbly underneath her because she had just given everything and she's been true so like when she was coming up as a teenager she was instantly tagged as the next Sonia you know it, and and her her times as a junior were fantastic she had a huge career ahead of her she spent two to three years out with various injuries and kind of faded from view altogether so for her to come back for to ju- she like fa- changed her training regime. She moved to Manchester. She left Dublin. She was training under Jerry Kiernan. She moved moved to Manchester and has a new coach over there. And it's just so fun. She is such an interesting person. She's a really high achiever. She was a brilliant student out in UCD as well. She's really impressive to talk to any time you do. And for her to come back and get to this point. Uh, and as she said herself, there's only a, a stepping stone towards Tokyo next year. But to to go into the hottest world final mm. that you could ever imagine. And there's other stuff going on, of course. You know, the the winner is a Salazar uh, devotee. Yeah. Um, even even the 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 uh, uh, Salazar. What do we say? Not Salazar friendly BBC, but uh, Salazar curious. We'll say mm. uh, BBC. We're even kind of speaking in sort of dubiously hushed tones 
about the winner of the 1500 mm. uh, because she demolished the field to such an extent. And the thing is, I watched plenty of the athletics during the week and there was a certain point every night where you go, ugh. It's easy to get cynical about, isn't it? Well, it's so easy to just get so turned off by mm. it. You know, it's so kind of, oh my God, this stuff. And yet, somebody like Kieran McGeehan just kind of breaks through that. Yeah. You know, and you can't get... You can't get blinded. You can't just go, well, the wee Irish girl, she obviously is on the, on the, on the up and up. She's obviously on the straight and narrow and everybody else is dangerous and sick and cruel and all of that. So you can't do that. But if you've been following Kira McGean at all since her, since her rise as a teenager, what she did over, on Saturday night is just a, a piece of pure joy. Mm. And you can only be delighted for her and hope that she, it stays together and she goes to Tokyo and, Man, if she made a final there, what an amazing achievement it would be. Yeah, it was, it's, like you said, it, it was pure joy that yeah. was kind of radiating off her. Yeah. And so thrilled, like she said a few times, 10th in the world, like she was like beside herself with, yeah. the, with the thrill of it. it is. I look forward it's to good. her, I look forward to it being, of course, ruined now because as soon as she gets back to Ireland, I presume she will have to go in the late, late and probably will have to sit and interview another sports person and we'll have to just turn it off. Yeah, but that's we, yeah, fine. No, we don't have to watch that. We don't have to watch that. What we do have to watch... Mm-hmm. This weekend, of course, is the uh, Ireland are playing the qualifiers for Euro 2020. Playing Georgia on Saturday. Playing Georgia on Saturday uh, and Switzerland next Tuesday. So we're going to have Emma Malone on talking about that uh, in a while. But uh, first, we are going to have Gavin Komsky talking uh, rugby in Japan. So let's go to Japan where presumably Gavin Komsky, you're in the face of a typhoon, are you? Um, so I'm down in Fukuoka, which is now under the threat of a typhoon. And um, a couple of days out, we look like there's another massive typhoon coming in, which could scupper Ireland's World Cup plans. Uh, World Rugby are adamant and everyone's staying calm. And there was a bit of a scare about this last week with France and the USA. Um, and it, 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 excuse the pun, but it, it blew over. Um, hey! I, I was, uh, it does, we, we could go, we could do this all day. The... Uh, <laughs> I noticed that that the the typhoon um it which is it dodged uh Saipan and I tweeted that today and somebody who lives on Saipan ah. tweeted me back going um what are you talking about we're on, we're we're being hit by it right now and I I <laughs> I, I, I made a joke about um yeah the the pitch is like a car park in Saipan still and they were like they were like what are you on about we're we're being bombed what are you talking about we're being bombarded <laughs> This is actually a natural disaster here. Will you shut <laughs> so up? I can fill pages and pages of copy now for the next three days about this. Um, I've done all my history lessons. Your descent into Basel Faulty continues to pay. But can I, uh, just, just to give you some actual facts about it, uh, we're getting conflicting information from the Ireland camp. They think that worst case scenario when this lands, the game can, Samoa game can be changed from Saturday to Sunday. Um, and from more official channels involved in the organisation of the tournament, they're saying that's not going to happen. But there is a robust contingency plan in place for the venue to be changed, but not the day. So Ireland will be playing Samoa, but in a different venue if, as expected, if the course of this typhoon still hits. Um, they don't want to give the, tell you where the venue is yet because they don't want to have to make a decision until Thursday. And they don't want people to be panicking either because this is something that happens at this time of year. It's actually a little bit late for it still to be happening. So... It just just to remind people, Gavin, what was being said was that if the game was postponed, it would be classified as a nil-all draw. We'd get two points and essentially we'd get knocked out of the World Cup. That was what 
people's worst case scenario, yeah. wasn't it? Okay, so Andy Farr was up today and we I have personally been speaking to officials in the communications department of World Rugby and nobody's gone near that possibility. Now, Japan and Scotland would dearly love that to happen, obviously. But um, the, I think what's going to happen is, let's say this, let's go worst case scenario. Let's go, this typhoon hits into uh, Hakata Bay and the game's unplayable here. They'll make a call on Thursday if they feel like it's definitely going to come in and the game will be switched to a venue further up north in northern Japan. So that's where we're at now. Everyone who's coming down here should still come down because it's a great part of the world. And um, it looks like every, it, these things, uh, it looks like it's going to be sort of taken care of or handled. World Rugby are very confident that this is not going to affect the game. Well... So let's talk about other stuff that's happened in the World Cup. This weekend was, I, I mean, a kind of a lull enough weekend, apart from, I guess, England and Argentina. But even that turned out to be relatively straightforward for England. Is that just a sign of how good England are, what good fettle no, they're in? No, it was in? a red card to Lavanini killed the game. Um, Lavanini's one of the mm. best locks in the world. So once he walked, game was over. Um the uh, Argentina just couldn't couldn't you, you you can't compete with this England pack when you lose one of your best forwards. Uh, he had to go. It was definitely a straight red. I actually, I, he's got a terrible disciplinary record. Lavanini um, stamping and late hits, and if you go back through his career, mm. it's very checkered. He's going to get the book thrown at him because of that. But um, I actually genuinely had a bit of a, enormous sympathy for him because it was the biggest game of his life. He's six foot seven. Owen Farrell six foot two, he did dip. But what happened was Owen Farrell dipped as well, seeing this monster coming at him to lay a shoulder into him, and so that's how the collision happened. Absolutely no question about it being a red card, um, but that's the way it goes. Killed the game. Uh, England kind of quietly march on, and France will test them later in the week. But I actually went to see um, Keith was at that, and he did some great stuff out of Tokyo from it. I went to see um, uh, Japan play Samoa. Um, and it was a fascinating experience because it was a fix, Gavin. It was a, it was fix. a fix. Oh, <laughs> Tell the oh, truth. Like, this goes right to the top. Uh, do you know what? You're sitting there watching it going, I can't believe this. Why is the Samoan, why is Jack Lamb, the Samoan, scrumming down in injury time uh, on their own line? And afterwards, he was asked in the press conference, and which was subsequently uh, definitely a crooked ball in, definitely had to be by Jacko Piper, who is never even very rarely is Jacko Piper finicky with the rules, but at that moment in time, he did. He called it and he warned the Japanese then straight after. He goes, Make sure you hook this ball because I don't want to penalize you because you're the host nation. But he, he it was really um, interesting afterwards. Jack Lamb turned around and he said, We feel like we can score a try from our own line. We just didn't want to kick the ball dead. They knew their World Cup was over. You know what I mean? They knew, they could, they knew their chances of getting to the knockouts were over and they just wanted to keep playing. Now, they should have just tapped. You don't scrum down in that situation. You tip the ball off your foot and just go for it. But, um, yeah, it just it felt weird. But flip it around. Imagine you're Japanese and you're in this scenario. The, the place went, first of all, the Japanese forwards couldn't believe their luck. But the place went ballistic. Um, it, it, was, it was a real kind of experience, a sporting experience of a lifetime to be there and to see the country kind of really building and growing into this thing, just being around the stadium and, and, and witnessing it all. But you see that two things that, that came out of it for me was um, 
South Africa or New Zealand are good. Japan are going to get their World Cup quarterfinal, I think. I think they'll have enough in them to be enough momentum behind them for them to handle Scotland. And they'll get that bumper quarterfinal against New Zealand or South Africa who will destroy them because the, the power-wise, I was at South Africa as well, and the power-wise at them or New Zealand will just be too much for them. But also, from talking to the Samoans, if I, Ireland should be afraid. They should be very afraid because these guys are going to perform. They're, they're disgusted. They feel like they've got a really bad rub of the green from officials what, for decisions that have been deserved red cards or suspensions or yellow cards, but yet other teams are not getting done in the same way. So they're very angry. Normally, Samoans on, are menacing on the pitch, were lovely to deal with afterwards. Uh, off it. In the mix zone, they were grumpy, they were steely. You're trying to get them engaged them on Bundy Aki, and they're like, oh, yeah, he made his decisions and all that. And they're, um, they're, they're playing for their livelihoods as well, because a lot of them don't have clubs, and a lot of them are, have the potential to be kind of world class players. There's a good few, like, solid, huge individuals there, and they are coming for Ireland. And the, Ireland should be able to handle them. They'll struggle to get a bonus point, but my God, one or two players will be taken out. And Ireland are struggling at the moment with uh, fitness. Like, Jordy Murphy was put up today, and he was like, okay, I can't train at the moment, but I hope to train Thursday. He's not being sent home. So that means the back row, Ireland's back row is down to four players. Peter Manny started all three games. CJ Standards played, start, started two games and played 56 minutes of another one because Murphy went off. So it looks like you're going to have to use one of them or both of them, possibly for 80 minutes. Because Jordy Murphy's not going to be able to play this weekend. I, I put good money on it. After he said he was getting better and all that, he seemed to grimace when he was holding and touching his ribs. It was both seen at training. It was both seen when he was leaving the press conference. So um, they just don't want to call up another player. They don't want to call up. It's bad, it's bad if he can't get through a press yeah, conference without we call Everyone kind of sniggered at it when we saw him leaving. Um, the, uh, the, they're just not going to go back to the Dev Toner thing. They're not going to admit that that was a mistake. And maybe, maybe Dev Toner is not something we just don't know there. But um, uh, they're going to battle on. You got Ty Burney and Henderson and all that. So um, Ireland are going to um, they're just going to keep fronting up. But um, you really hope that Peter O'Mahony and what? Gary Ringrose aren't on the pitch this weekend because they played far too much rugby. What about the rest of the squad, Gavin, uh, fitness-wise? Do we know um, what Joey Carberry's situation is at the moment? Will he be up to seeing some game time? Okay, so I'm always really hesitant when I'm relaying the information that's relayed to me. Um, but um, Andy Farrell said it's the happiest that he's ever seen Joey Carberry ever in this history of coaching him on a rugby pitch that he was dancing around like um, he was ready to go. Um, Sexton they're saying there was only a precaution that he came off at half time last week and Schmidt has said he's going to play 60 minutes so they're the two that are absolutely crucial Robbie Henshaw is supposedly going to show up and play 13 um, and he's going to shake off the hamstrings Chris Farrell who got concussed against Japan is taking contact tomorrow Tuesday so I'm guessing Bundy Aki and Henshaw will play beside Sexton for 60 minutes of Samoans just going for it. Um, that's where Ireland are at at the moment. It's um, it's a creaky team, but um, everyone's just got to... This is it now. You, you, you've four games of rugby and you've got about 26, 27 fit players and you just go for it. We're going to spend a lot of time wincing every time Johnny Sexton gets hit ever so slightly late uh, a bit, yeah. on a ball, do you know what, he, do you know what he, he... And you know what he plays at the game line? He plays for contact and it's kind of part of his motivational stuff and all that. If he plays like that in the World Cup quarterfinal, he's not going to get through it and Ireland aren't going to win. So he can kind of use this Samoa game, that 60 minutes that Schmidt said he's going to run him if he's fit. Um, 
the, to actually play it a little bit deeper and to play that game where you just put Ireland in the positions they need to be to pick off Samoa. Um, the bonus point is not essential. And do you know what? If Ireland, um, if Ireland win this pool, they get South Africa. I went to see South Africa the other night and it is Saracens and England up another notch for power. So we know from all the that, evidence in the that last hasn't year, worked. That hasn't worked well for us yeah, in the past. So I believe I'm saying this, and I've, 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 I've written this, and it was published. <laughs> Ireland, Ireland, Ireland want the All Blacks. They really do. <laughs> Ireland have figured out this is the fifth time that Schmidt will go against Steve Hansen. Um, they've beaten them twice. They've almost beaten them once. They got beaten up badly by them once. They know, but they do know how to uh, beat the All Blacks. They do know there's a game plan that can be stitched together to beat them. The South Africans, I just can't, I just can't see it. I, I just don't, I don't see how that their power game can be can be stopped by an Ireland team that's already creaking. In that uh, scenario, uh, the day that we play becomes important, doesn't it? Um, uh, we will know what we need to do. Yeah. So, presuming there's no typhoon. Um, the mm. Ireland see control when they uh, presumably beat Samoa with a little bit to spare. Um, then mm. we all jump on an early morning flight up to um, Yokohama to see what I think is going to be a, a game for the ages because Scotland just have to go for it. They're going to be coming from a four-day turnaround after play Russia and Japan. Um, I'm trying to describe it, and I know Keith's trying to describe it. He did it quite eloquently from uh, watching how the police react to people watching these games, but the momentum is building like they they have 32 percent of the po- of the population watch the game there's 127 million people in japan jesus christ okay it, 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 it has captured the imagination over here it is so that's 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 just the 40 million yeah, people watching yeah, it. they're tuned in give or take um the people are people really care about this now um jamie joseph was gave him a, a Steve Hansen-esque uh, press conference after the game. He was like shutting down questions to his South African captain. He was telling people to relax. He goes, yeah, a week ago you said we, we couldn't beat the Irish. Now you're saying we can beat everybody. We're not going to play with fear. We're going we're gonna to play the way we play. And they definitely are. Like Samoa put real heat on them and they, um, they just kept tipping away. They're a wonderful story. And it's like, it's the mm. dream because the Asian market now has been cracked by world rugby. Um, they're they're in their back rooms in their five star hotels, just loving it. I'd say, um, seeing this happen, mm. uh, it, like, and it's the perfect thing. The host nation gets to a quarter final um, against one of the literally the brands of rugby. It's it's the it's all it's the perfect thing for um, for the tournament, um, and presumably Ireland will be involved in the other quarter final. Um, tell us, Gav. So we're about we're more or less halfway through the tournament. Who stands out? Who's in trouble? What what has been different to what you expected? Um, well, what we've learned is that nobody's caught up with New Zealand. Um, South Africa mm. didn't get their coaching structures in place enough to become the dominant team in the world for the last four years. They they could be the dominant team by the end. Same goes with England. Too much inconsistency. And Ireland, well, their form's fallen up a cliff. So New Zealand, when it really counted, they came out and they played They played the box for 15 minutes, put up 17 points, and on they march. Um, they're not going to play... Uh, a, like a, Their next tough match will be the quarterfinal, probably against Japan or Ireland, which everyone expects them to win. They're still... 
they're they're nowhere near the team that won the World Cup four years ago, or the team that won the World Cup eight years ago. For uh, talent wise, uh, legacy player wise, but they're still the best team in the world. Um, it, the Ireland and Australia are quite interesting because they're both going to get one of those, those old-fashioned clean shots. Looks like Australia are going to get one one chance, one day, go for it, go beat England. Uh, same with Ireland, just um, a swing from the hip kind of a moment. But there's no evidence that either of those teams are going to do anything. And when you put everything aside really quietly, just chipping along is Warren Gatlin's Wales. Um, like, they've... They, Imagine what we'd be like if one of our like legendary players who became a coach got done in the betting scandal just before the tournament started and was sent home. Imagine the pandemonium. But they've just twisted it really subtly into Alwyn Jones has taken control. They've brought in uh, Stephen Jones. Uh, it's just Gatland at, at his best. And because they beat Australia, the road has opened up for them to uh, go to the semi-final, uh, go to the final even. Um, uh, and so where we stand now... Wales do look like Grand Slam team just on track to doing something special. Um, even though like their players aren't, aren't the best players, uh, but it's the sum of the parts. They, they're I've been to two of their games and they look really good. Um, South Africa just, just look awesome. And you, you go into their press conferences after the game and there's no mention of the racism. There's no mention of the assault. There's no mention of any of the stuff in, in the background, the doping and all that. It's just... Uh, good solid cheerleading. Rassi Erasmus is going. We're going to play to our strengths. They're going to go with six six forwards off the bench all the way now with Franz Steen covering all the positions. And they're going to they finish now. Their 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 bench is called the Bomb Squad. So they finish they sure. finish with six of the biggest <laughs> men you'll ever see in your life to come in for the last 20, 30 minutes. They, so they finish with the biggest pack rupees ever known uh, for the last 20, 20, 30 minutes of every game from now on. Um and only New Zealand have shown that they have the ability to outthink them and outplay them. That all, all sounds um, rather... I think we know where this is going. <laughs> Speaking of which, Gavin, my um, my good lady wife has uh, sent in another haiku for you, um, which is kind of of a piece with what you have been th- saying there today. First of all, she realised how long the World Cup is, and I think she's over it. And uh, second of all, she's quite confident that the Kiwis are going to win this. So she's gone with this little effort for you this week. Four long weeks to go, but pack it up, pack it in. Let's just paint it black. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, do you know what? Like, it, it, it's She can do some writing for you if you want I, while you're out I there. I genuinely think it's going to be a published version. We're going to have like six by the end, aren't we? Um, and we could get them framed and put up beside the editors there on the third floor. But um, like... The, you know, the, I'm sure they love the, the All Blacks are um, are there still to be beaten. It's just that <laughs> it's just about who's going to do it. You know, um, I I really think that South Africa get them in back in a final is I I go there. I think it could be it's it's an England. Um, you know, like the great story of this World Cup is Japan, and the great uh, kind of non-story is Ireland, obviously, and how they're just desperately mm. searching for form. But you just feel as the whole thing kind of creeps on and as, as the pool stages end, it's just going to become heavyweight rugby, you know. And that means only the teams that we're used to will, will remain. There we go. Uh, we will catch up with you on Thursday and look ahead to Samoa, by which time I guess we should have more a better handle on the weather and all that sort of carry on. So until then, yeah, be I'll well. I'll be tweeting, I'll and be tweeting in, about uh, the weather four or five times a day from now until Thursday. So if you're looking for somebody to unfollow on Twitter, it's at C-U-M-O-S-K-I. <laughs> mute, for the mute, next me, three mute or four me away. Days. Mute away. All right, Gav, take it easy. 
It is also an international soccer week. And uh, of course, Pat, since the weekend, we now have the best young player on the planet. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, in Aaron Connolly. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk to Emmett. Emmett uh, Malone is out in Abbottstown. I guess the team are gathering and all of that sort of crack. How are you, Emmett? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, much excitement for, for the coming week. We're playing Georgia on Saturday and then Switzerland on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose uh, <laughs> excitement levels have been added to by the fact that we now have the best young player on the planet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's made, that makes a difference. <laughs> Maybe um, even the best player. The Galway Pele, that's yeah. what we're calling him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, give it another week or so. And we'll see about that, like, you know. Uh, he could he could certainly establish himself in the top three. You know, yeah, Ronaldo, Messi and him on all the shortlists for, next, uh, for next year. Um yeah, look, um, it's yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of bright news after after the the central defensive disaster mm. of, of of ten days ago. Uh, so yeah, look, I think that that it's lifted spirits a little bit going into the games. Uh, hopefully, um, has has kind of you know brought a little bit more of a positive mood around the place. Um, uh, Mick McCarthy spoke yesterday about the fact that he expected um, not just Connolly, but you know Hurahan and Hendrick to arrive in with a bit of a kind of bounce in their step after scoring goals at the weekend. But obviously Connolly is the story. Um, it was a remarkable performance, um, full of confidence. Uh, is all not just the goals, but the performance all round. Very mm. impressive. He's he's been a kind of you know he's been a kind of cool thing for a while. There's been a bit of excitement about him. Um, but like that's probably been overshadowed in the last year uh, by Troy Paris, who yeah. everybody sort of thought seemed set to hit the headlines first. But of course, Parrot, you know, faces um, bigger hurdles to establish himself in in, in in a team like Tottenham. Although you know, maybe opportunities will open up the way they're going uh, at the moment. But but you know, um, Graham Potter at at, uh, at Brighton showed a lot of bravery to to start uh, moving um, Connolly into the team, where there's a lot of pressure on him at the moment. The manager that is, uh, results haven't been great, and um, and it's a sort of default you know position in the Premier League that uh, managers go with tried and trusted or demand money for for transfers when things aren't going so well. So to, to stick a 19 year old striker in is, is it looks like a big punt, and he took it and it's paid off for him, and it's wonderful. Tell us a bit about Conley. Uh, he, as you say, he's been sort of uh, bubbling around the underage scene for a while. Yeah, for sure. He's um, so he's from Galway. Mm. Uh, came up through the ranks at Murview United. Um, did well there and then played um, uh, in the uh, underage leagues. Um, was was kind of marked out as a player. Scored a lot of goals from an early age. Played as a striker. Uh, played in the League of Ireland team, the under-17 League of Ireland team at Galway for, um, um, as a 15-year-old, scored 18 goals. So I think, although I, I do think that's slightly skewed by the fact that, you know, almost half of them were in one game. Um, but um, but that season, as a 15-year-old, uh, was doing very well uh, in that team and was also playing under-age international football, under-16 international football for Ireland and was spotted by Brighton. You know, I mean, the way these things, he's probably spotted by a bunch of teams. Games, but Brighton is the one he talks about because he went over for a trial. They played a friendly against um, Norwich. He scored in that and was offered a deal. And uh, talks about how kind of welcome he was made there, how the club was sold to him, how you know he was uh, how he was made to feel welcome by the other players. Now he felt it would be a place that he would get opportunities. But you know, Brighton have invested a huge amount of money in their youth setup um, over the over the past decade, and um, and until recently had done very you know had managed to produce very few players. So it's one of these things where you know an academy gains a real 
know, reputation for being on the right track. And yet for a long time, it was slow to uh, to produce first team players. And so there, there was some sense that, you know, he might still struggle to make that final step. Now, Jason Malumbi is also there, the Watford um, uh, born midfielder. He uh, he went out on loan to Millwall at the start of the season, has been doing well there, has played, I think, seven games um, uh, and coming on and taking, I, I guess, at that age, the more kind of established, uh, you know, path of progression at this stage. Um, but Connolly went to um, Potter and said that he didn't want to go out and loan. That, uh, he'd, he'd done very well in the under-23 league the first half of last season, mm. obviously before that. But the first half of last season, he scored, I think it was 11 goals in the league itself and, and, a, and a handful of goals in other related competitions. And so they sent him out on loan to Luton, but he had a hamstring problem. And, um, and Luton were going very well. So between the kind of lack of never being completely fit and the fact that Luton were already kind of on the way to promotion, um, he struggled to get game time and only, I think, came on in one game. So that would have been seen as a setback and, and could have undermined his confidence to some, some degree. But instead, he went to Potter in the summer, said he didn't want to go out on loan again at a point when they were probably lining one up for him, said he wanted a crack at the first team squad. Potter has talked since of how he was impressed by that, you know, um, has called him a kind of determined so-and-so. He's had a reputation for being very straight-talking and has had a re- has uh, and there has been suggestions that he has you know upset some of his um uh, previous coaches with you know that that kind of attitude but uh Potter was certainly taken by him integrated him into the first team squad said he was doing it in training i have to say i've met him only a couple of times around the uh, irish underage games and um and he's always been <laughs> completely charming he comes across a very likable young guy um and um and somebody who really really appreciates that um that he's finally tasting a bit of success having put in the the hard work behind the scenes and um, at the other end of the pitch we have a bit of a a bit of a crisis going on there mm. we we all know what happened to Richard Kyo and uh, his situation? Shane mm. Duffy very unlikely to make it. Enda Stevens suspended. What, do we have a back four? What is our back four likely to be for this game? Yeah, well, we. we I, I don't think it's entirely clear uh, what the back four is, but you, I guess, you would expect it to be uh, m- probably Matt Doherty coming in at left back, where he has played before. Uh, McCarthy likes him and tried to integrate him into the team at the start. Um, it's a pretty remarkable situation that you know he's probably our best player in the Premier League last year, probably just eclipsing uh, Seamus Coleman, and yet um, you know Coleman retains the place at right back. Uh, McCarthy tried to put him in in front of him in the right side of midfield, didn't really work in Gibraltar. I mean, I feel sorry for Doherty because um, there were times when he could have played more under O'Neill, and, and I think probably should have, and uh, he was overtaken there by Cyrus Christie, who uh, who O'Neill just really liked, um, and. It, <laughs> all the evidence, you know, seems to suggest that the fact that he didn't really like uh, Matt Darty very mm. much at all. Um, uh, but uh, but Darty has been doing well again at club level. He's a little bit in and out of the team. Uh, he's had an injury problem. He was out for a couple of weeks, uh, but uh, but fit again. Came on uh, yesterday in the in the win over Man- uh, sorry where, where were they over Manchester City. Um, so uh, so I, I, he would seem to me with Greg Cunningham out and other players out. Uh, he's um, he would seem to me the most obvious candidate for the left back position, and you know I think his central central defence will be. Uh, uh, Kevin Long and John Egan. Uh, Egan's been doing well for Sheffield United. Uh, I think he's an absolute cert. I don't see too many alternatives to Kevin Long. The pair of them played against Bulgaria. They did quite well. 
uh, McCarthy has spoken about the fact, you know, how relieved he is when, when the, the injuries to um, to Duffy and Kill arose. He's spoken about, you know, how relieved he was that he gave these two a, a chance to play together against Bulgaria and they did so well. He's all but named them. McCarthy's not somebody who, who really plays games in terms of his team selection. He's quite fairly frank about it and certainly doesn't seem to kind of um, put out any red herrings. So I, I, that, that would, you know, I mean, the left back perhaps not as certain. He had previously spoken about McLean playing there. I don't think McLean's done very well when he's been left back. And I don't think he's a very good defender, uh, although he's, he's played there a little bit for his club at this stage. Um, but uh, but in the end, uh, McCarthy seems to have been you know persuaded by the closing stages of um, of the game against Switzerland and uh, McLean's uh, role in the equaliser. And he, he has talked really about the fact that he would be taking that much kind of energy and application out of uh, out of the more attacking side of Ireland's game, and uh, and so he, he certainly seems to feel that he mm. needs to leave um, to leave McLean there. Um, now this again, you know, comes down to whether whether you know two goals in his very first uh, start for. Um, for in the Premier League for Aaron Connolly really kind of forces him into the team in some way that might be asking a bit much uh, but he, he, you know Connolly would seem you know you would, you would imagine he has a pretty good chance of featuring in some way but there's a difference between that and him you know offering a real alternative I mean Stephen Kenny played him on the left with the under 21 games um, most noticeably uh, the one I was at it was the Armenia game in Tala um, and, uh, and Connolly was very very impressive in that although like that sort of trademark move. It's funny, uh, Ali Neary, I think, who uh, was one of his managers in Galway, um, uh, kind of talks about, <coughs> excuse me, him catching wider attention with a goal he scored for his team, where he where he ran down left, cut inside onto his right foot, and uh, uh, slotted a ball into uh, the far corner. Um, we saw that with him over the weekend. Uh, but in that Armenia game, he tried it two or three times, and uh, and his finishing was actually quite poor. Um, but we see what he's capable of. If he's really forcing his way into the team, then maybe that that changes kind of McCarthy's wider wider options. But you know, it, look, I mean, it, it's clearly spectacularly early days for uh, for Connolly. Uh, last week at uh, McCarthy's press conference, I mean, there always tends to be a lot of goodwill towards these young players and a kind of push by the journalists uh, to get them into the squad, if if not the team. And uh, and somebody was asking, like McCarthy had sort of suggested that he was going to leave uh, Connolly with the under-21s at that stage. He'd come on in a few games and started a League Cup game or two but uh, and scored one in the League Cup. But, you know, it was really, you know, obviously he hadn't hadn't made a start in the Premier League. And and somebody kind of was making the case for him and saying that he nearly scored a goal in the in the Premier League the yeah. game against Newcastle. And McCarthy's kind of shaking his head and going, well, look, there you go. Is that really where we are? That we I need to include yeah. a player because he nearly <laughs> scored a goal, you know? And yet, like, like, you know, 80 minutes on, 80 minutes of football on, and two goals, and um, and uh, and he's 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 our most exciting prospect since Robbie Keane. You know, <laughs> the way the world. Uh, these uh, these two games are really where the rubber meets the road, Emmett, aren't they? You know, uh, it's it's the point at which uh, Wiley Coyote looks down. You know, you you know the, the, <laughs> we are we are top of the table, but we've got to we've got to go and do these two away games, and and we'll know an awful lot more by in ten days' time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, we've 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 good record against Georgia. Um, there's a feeling that a couple of their performances against us have merited more. And uh, losing our first choice centre backs and our you know first choice left back uh, would certainly, you would imagine, give them hope of uh, of kind of gaining revenge for some of the the, the ones they, they they would feel they would miss miss out on. That said, we beat them um, beat them pretty well here. We played. Mm. 
well against them. Um, and uh, it was one of uh, the most convincing performances under McCarthy. It was, it's kind of rare to see an Ireland team, um, you know, just really just really kind of pick itself up and uh, and play well against a weaker side and, and, and show that it's it, it, it kind of superior collection of superior players. So that, that, that was very heartening. And I think the Irish players will take will take kind of confidence from that. Um, it's obviously hugely vital that we uh, that we do beat them. Um, Denmark have uh, have put themselves um, in 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 a, in a in a real spot of bother by by not winning in, in Tbilisi, and uh, and uh, you know that hands us a massive opportunity in terms of the dynamics of the wider group. Um, but uh, but we can't blow it now by by losing there or dropping points even. Um, Switzerland, you know, I mean, uh, McCarthy said before the, the Swiss game here that he'd take a point. Um, oh my God, I'm sure he'd uh, he'd grab one uh, if mm. in Geneva if he was offered it now. It, it would be a it would be a, a huge achievement. Switzerland have blown pretty hot and cold uh, over the last year. Uh, they're very highly ranked. They're top seeds in the group. They're very highly ranked in the world. They've had some really great performances. They did very well in the Nations League, and yet on their night they they look a you know an average enough side. In Dublin uh, against us, they they looked you know comfortably the better side um and yet they didn't really have the wherewithal to put us away so um so you know i i i'd be really pretty surprised if we beat them out there but um but certainly points not out of out of uh out of the question at all uh, mccarthy will see that as a very realistic um um uh, target um and um and if we if we win in, in georgia that would put us in a pretty decent position in the group going into the last uh couple of games well hopefully that's where we are when we check in with you next Monday morning so uh, thanks a million Emmett alright cheers Matt, you take care. Uh, and thanks to Gav who we had on earlier thanks to you Pat thanks a lot thanks to Jenny behind the desk and we will talk to everybody later in the week cheers Added Time is supported by Fitbit with Amazon Alexa built in your personalised sleep score and a 5 plus day battery life Fitbit Versa 2 takes smartwatches to the next level.